The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. More information about the church is available at www.gracefcwesterville.org. For one thing, it speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself, uh, because as he promised uh, in the next, in the words to come, he said that you'll no longer see me, meaning because he's going to die, but of the disciples continuing to see him. That is, the world world will see me no resurrection. So he said in verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. Now, because Jesus Christ defeated the grave, he's telling disciples, you will see me again. Now, just think about that for a moment if you're one of the disciples. Jesus is talking about his death. They know nothing about resurrection. I mean, they saw what happened with Lazarus, but Jesus is telling them, look, take heart. You will see me again. And every person in this room this morning who has accepted Christ as Savior will see Jesus. And that's an amazing truth for you and I to grasp onto. So, It is not only the resurrection of Jesus that is spoken of, however, for the last phrase says, you also will live. So clearly he's telling them, not only am I going to be resurrected, but you too. Now just think about that. Since the verse goes on to speak of the knowledge that they have of him following his resurrection and that he will come and dwell within them, it is probably also that Jesus is suggesting not merely that they will be resurrected at some future date when our bodies are caught up to meet him in the air, but that they will also enter into the experience of resurrection life now. Now now think about this. In other words, the promise is that they are to come alive in a new way following Jesus Christ's resurrection. Now, the disciples, not fully understanding, but 50 days later on, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. That same Holy Spirit indwells believers today. So all of us who have accepted Christ as as our personal Savior, we have literally come alive now because of the Spirit dwelling within us. You realize that now you're an eternal being. Do you ever think about that? Our form will change, our position will change, but we are hid in Christ Jesus, and and he is coming again. So the Spirit comes in and begins this new life. Now, this was the great promise, particularly to those who were soon to be confronted with the horror of Christ's death. What were they thinking in that hour? They had placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the one who is indeed God's Messiah, the Savior of his people, but they had never understood the nature of the cross. And with Jesus gone, their hopes would be dashed. I mean, we would be right and think of them as being disappointed, disillusioned, and even cynical. In fact, we get a glimpse of their heart when we hear about the Emmaus disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 21. They said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now, get the heart of these people. Yes, he's God. Yes, I believe we'll see him again. 
Yes, I believe that he is the Savior of the world, but, oh man, if he had just redeemed Israel now, you know what they're saying? They're saying what you and I say. When I accept Jesus Christ as Savior, I am so excited, but couldn't it mean that my problems are over? I mean, could it just be that I'll have enough money? That my relationships will be good? Can it just be that things would be good here and now? That's what they're saying. And how many of us experience that feeling so often? Praise God we're going to be with him eternity. And praise God that he died for us and all that. But oh man, if it could have just happened now. If I could just get out of this life I'm in. Luke uh, 24, verse 21 Uh, or excuse me, I just read that, but also uh, Thomas experienced the same thing in John 20, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and pierce my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Faith is now birthed in the ability to trust and believe And those things which aren't seen are starting to get exercised here now. So each of these statements arise out of a cruel disillusionment. But it was to these men, soon to be struck by death's horror, that Christ makes the promise. Death is not the end. Not for me, not for you. Moreover, you do not even have to wait until the next life for the promise. For you will begin to enter into the reality of life now. You and I now live in the reality of eternal life with Jesus Christ that will never end. So who is your life? Number two true knowledge of who Jesus is. It is the knowledge of Jesus Christ based on the resurrection. It is because Jesus has been raised and because we have been given new life that we now, that we know him being who he is. That's what he means in verse 20 when he said, in that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. The content of this knowledge is that Jesus of Nazareth was God incarnate. That is, he was fully divine. All else flows from this. And the basis of this knowledge is the resurrection. But on one hand, it is based on Christ's own resurrection. Without this, there would have been no faith, no knowledge that he was indeed who he claimed to be. He claimed to be God, but if he had only died... No matter how selflessly or courageous he was, he would only be known as a selfless, sincere man. But it was only when Christ raised from the dead that his life was seen to be fully extraordinary and his, and his daring claims vindicated. And that's why Paul stated in Romans chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, concerning the son who was descended from David according to the, fe- the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. But apart from this resurrection and our, and our salvation, even this great miracle is insufficient, for it brings us to know who Christ is, but it is the indwelling Spirit that gives us the understanding. 
is as a spirit of Christ who can work in us and through us and give us all the knowledge about what is taking place of things past, present, and future. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's the great power that we have through the Spirit that brings glory in Christ to Jesus Christ. Number three, Christ continues to reveal himself to those who believe. Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and notice, manifest myself to him. And if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we said manifest meant a clear or something that is clear or obvious to the eye. Evidence, distinct, explicit, recognizable. You know what he's saying here? He is saying that whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me, I and the Father will make myself real to them. That's really what he's saying. You have concerns about where to go in life? I'll manifest the way to go. You have concerns about what to do, decisions to make, how to walk with Christ, what should I do? I'll manifest myself to you. Think about the amazing truth to that, especially if you're here this morning and you're just kicking around in life not knowing what to do or where to go. So this is a step beyond the promise of sure knowledge of who he is. The fact of his historical resurrection and of his gift of the Holy Spirit to us so that we can understand the gospel and believe in him is first an order of importance for sure. But notice, one commentator says, But having come to know who Jesus is and having believed on him, the Christian will then want to know him more fully. In this case, the knowledge will not be so much a knowledge about him leading to faith, but rather a deep knowledge of him in which the disciples come to experience the Lord in the fullest and most personal way. The passage will go on to say that the disciples will know him even deeper than when he was physically with them. So what he is telling these people is, you know me now. I mean, think of it this way. You and I know each other. Okay? Some of us know each other better than others. But you can spend time with me, I can spend time with you, we can talk, and I can get a pretty good feel for your heart. What you like, what you don't like, your struggles and everything. But if I could dwell inside you, where I could know you from the inside out, and you could know me, think of how much deeper that would be. And that's really what Christ is saying. My spirit is in you. <laughs> the creator of the universe. And as the Bible says, the spirit is here to guide you into all truth. All truth. All truth. All truth. You have a struggle and you don't know where to go? Get on your knees. Get alone with God. Be quiet before God and let the spirit of truth teach you. Get in the word of God and let him lead you. That's what he's saying here. And that is precisely what you and I must take away from here. You and I have no excuse not to have an intimate relationship with the Savior. He has planned and promised a deep relationship and he has provided the tools necessary to have it. 
The question is, will you take it? Now, you may say, but I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for years, and I don't have that deep relationship. Well, look at verse 21 again. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved to the Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is critical. It's a critical point that every Christian has to grasp. Do I love him? Is he my life? When you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, he will manifest himself to you. And I shared the story with you a couple of weeks ago about my brother-in-law who had to come to the point of realizing that even though he'd claimed to be a Christian for years, he just didn't love God. He loved himself more. He loved his plans more. He loved his goals more. He loved his agenda more. And he had to fall on his face and give it all up. Then he could hear the Spirit of God. So, what are the conditions of this kind of manifesting relationship? Keeping his commandments and loving him with all your heart. So, are you meeting those conditions? True love and true faith express themselves in true obedience. Let me say that again. True love and true faith express themselves in true obedience. James 2, 17 says, So also also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Only when these elements are fully present does Christ really fulfill himself in the life of the believer? We hear, but do we heed? We know, but are we doing? Number four, his own personal presence through the Holy Spirit. This this is where it gets good. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The meaning of this is found earlier in verse 17 of chapter 4, when we saw, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you. So, So this is something entirely new, for the Christians of that time. This was something entirely new for the disciples. The idea of the Spirit of God being with His people was definitely not new. We saw this in the Old Testament. In fact, you recall when when David was in trouble, he cried out to God, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The Spirit was active in the Holy Spirit. But back then, the Spirit came upon people for works, to do things for God. What Jesus is now promising is something different. He's promising the indwelling of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was with His people. Today, the Spirit is in His people. In the Old Testament, the Spirit could be taken away. In the the New Testament, when you accept Christ as as Savior, the Spirit is your seal. 
and will never be taken from you. That's an amazing truth for you and I to just grab onto and hold this morning. Think about it. What part of the Holy Spirit of God would he have held back at salvation? The Spirit is a person. What part of a person do you hold back? But how much do we hold back? And there's the key, isn't it? There's the lost answer. It's my surrender that's the monkey wrench. Jesus has provided all things. We're the ones that hold back. We're the ones that are afraid to just empty ourselves and give up to him. And that's the missing link that gets into everything we try to do and say. It's an amazing truth. Now, let me leave you with an amazing truth, and that is the result. What will be the result? Putting all these promises of of chapter 14 together, putting all this in order of your life, what will be the result? And he explains it very clearly in verses 27 through 29. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. So he's saying, look, get this stuff down because it's going to happen. And when it does, remember what I've told you. But here's what I really want you to see, and it's right in verse 27. Jesus says, I'm going to leave peace with you. Is there anyone here this morning who doesn't have peace right now? I want you to notice that he says, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. No. See, here's what the world is. Man, if I just had a little more money, I'd be at peace. Right? Man, if, if she would just show me she cares, I'd have peace. If he would just be more of a husband, I would have peace. Boy, if, you know, if, I, if my job was just a little more secure, oh, man, I could take a deep breath. That's all the peace of the world. And Jesus stated very emphatically, I'm not leaving that peace for you. Because in the world, you will have tribulation. Amen? He says, I am leaving my peace. The peace that went to the cross I'm leaving you that. The peace that rose from the grave three days later, I'm leaving you that. The peace that sent the Holy Spirit to fill you, I am leaving you that. The peace that will guarantee your eternity with me, that's what I'm leaving for you, and that's all you need. That is the peace that passes all understanding. So here's the first mention of peace, and we've come to know peace as a literal fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. So if I have the Spirit dwelling within me and the Spirit within me is guiding me all the truth and He's the seal and He's my peace, if I don't have peace, guess where I'm putting my peace? Anything but the Spirit. Harry Ironside 
used to tell the story that took place at the end of the Civil War. A troop of federal cavalry uh, were riding uh, from Richmond, Virginia to Washington, D.C., and out of the bushes jumped this emaciated Confederate soldier, scrawny, uniform, tattered, ripped up, and he cried out to the captain. He says, can you give me some food? I haven't eaten in two weeks. And he said, I'm dying. And the captain said to him, why don't you go into Richmond and get what you need? He sheepishly bowed his head and he said, look, he goes, I was so distraught with all the defeats we were going through that I defected and I'm trying to get to the northern lines. And if I go into Richmond, they'll shoot me on sight for being a deserter. And the captain said, haven't you heard? The war ended two weeks ago. General Lee surrendered to General Grant at Appomattox. And the soldier said, wait a minute. You mean there's been peace for two weeks and I've been out here in the, in the, in the wilderness starving? And you know, how many Christians today have been given peace and they're living in the wilderness starving because they won't give up to the Spirit of God? That is the amazing truth that you and I have. That is the amazing power that's been given to us. And it's not just me preaching it to you. It's not just me putting a spin on it. It is literally what the Word of God says. It is literally the promise that the Holy Spirit has given to everyone who accepts Him as Savior. The question is, take it. It's free. Call upon Him, and He will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Amazing truth. And as we come to to communion this morning and think about the power of that truth, we are going to celebrate a remembrance of what Christ did 2,000 years ago when he gave his life on the cross. The bread, the cup, the broken body, the bloodshed, all to make good on the promise that he made for you and I. So as we go to prayer and as the men come to prepare, I want you to really meditate on something, would you? Do I have real peace? Is my heart hid under the blood of Christ? And is he the one getting me through every situation in life? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we're so amazed at all the promises you give us that we just seem to just leave hanging on the table. You loved us with your life. And you've given us the promise, the promise of peace, the promise to guide us, the promise to be with us, the promise to fellowship with us, the promise that you're coming back again for us, the promise that you've given the Holy Spirit, the promise that you'll answer prayers. You just laid out a smorgasbord of life. And yet so often we just kind of motor through life on our own, just trying to get by. Oh, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that we just would surrender every area of our life to you. That we might walk out of here with a new strength that's not our own, but is yours. And now as we spend a moment in meditation before we take the table, Speak to us, Lord, as only you can in Christ's name.
Father, as we begin now with the, the bread, I just ask that you would continue to open our hearts to the reality of what you did for us. May it penetrate the depths of our heart this morning. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this.
the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is our custom. We stand and join hands and sing a hymn. special name, Christ's precious name, and all God's people say, Amen. 